Leadership Confessions with Phil Rose from Clarity Leadership. And welcome to the latest edition of Leadership Confessions with me, Phil Rose. Now, I've always wanted to provide a range of guests on this podcast, and this one's making me more nervous than ever. (laughs) Because today I'm interviewing my eldest daughter, Grace, who's sitting right next to me. How are you doing, Grace? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Yeah, so, I'm equally excited. So I I'm really, I am really quite nervous about this because this could be <laughs> more about confessions about me than it is for her. But the reason why I wanted to do this podcast was because Grace graduated a couple of years ago, has been working since, uh, and I thought it would provide a different perspective uh, on these podcasts. So Grace, actually, I'm going to rewind. There's a lot of people know that Three years ago, you and I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro together. And whilst I needed support and oxygen at the top to help me get down, you kind of skipped to the top and pirouetted and basically kicked my ass. So how does that make you feel? Well, at, to be honest, at the time, it was actually a little bit... I mean, ultimately, I was worried about you. <laughs> but it was a bit of a humbling moment when you realise your dad is also human. And as you tumbled down that mountain, you did have to get rescued by one of the guys. But um, yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, it was entertaining given that you've been giving it all that to, uh, to everyone whilst we were going up. And even the guides themselves were having a bit of a laugh with you saying, oh, King, because you've done all this, that and the other, which I'm sure you love to talk about on the podcast. But um, yeah, this was, this was the reality of our expedition. So <laughs> you kicked my ass. Right, we're going to move on to more things around the podcast. So look, give us an overview of your role at work, please. Yeah, so currently at the moment, I have an account management role supporting clients in data science, which they're using for marketing purposes. So what does that mean? So essentially, it's taking data insights, so demographic insights, media intelligence, and ultimately supporting marketing teams to better inform strategy. So obviously there's a lot of data and information out there at the moment and it's really how can we use this, I suppose, in an ethical way um, and in an intelligent way to actually make better informed decisions. So I'm keen for the leaders uh, and people that listen to this podcast to understand what it's like for you having started work. But let's just recap. If you were to think about for you, which leaders, when you see leaders out there uh, in the world, which leaders do you admire and why? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question, which I've thought about quite a lot. I think when you think about that question, I was so inclined to think about who inspires me, um, which actually I think is a really different thing. If I was to think about that, you know, that I'm inclined to go towards, you know, idols in my life from, you know, perhaps even things like pop culture or um, history. But actually, I think it, that's, it's actually quite a different thing to think about leaders who have inspired me. I actually think it's much closer to home. I think leaders who have inspired me in my life are, yeah, much closer to home. So, you know, family members, teachers, especially who have had a really big impact on my life and still continue to do so. I often think about them, even looking at managers and, you know, directors when I was working in hospitality who had a really big impact on me. And I think the reason I admire them ultimately is because they were often the most selfless. I think they were ones who really were there to support and develop you. And I think that ultimately, when people feel that they are being supported and, and developed, there's a mutual benefit there because obviously then you do well and you perform better. So it is within their interest. But I actually think they were the most selfless and they more just had your um, priorities at the heart of it all. So definitely when it comes to, to teachers who you know, have a big role when it comes to empathy, and that to me is more inspiring as a leader 
not necessarily like the loudest voice in the room, which sometimes your first inclination is to think of those personalities who are big and, you know, I can walk into a room and, and light up the room, which I think is still definitely true. But actually, I think those who um, really carry people and it's not about them. I think they're the leaders that probably tend to inspire me most. So when you're thinking about leaders in a workplace then, because I think this is important for the people that are listening, what are you looking for as a, and I'm not sure if you're a millennial, whatever you're called in the workplace <laughs> these days, but what would you be looking for in the leaders that you're working with? So I think a big part of what I would look for at the moment is is honesty and openness about them as well. And And again, going back to that piece on the selflessness, um, I really do think that good leaders that I've experienced are, are more of a vessel um, for their team. So rather than taking, you know, a culture and, and imposing it on their team um, and saying, you know, you kind of you're, you're either with us or you're not. I think actually taking their strengths and their weaknesses and understanding, you know, what is their impact to their team and how can they get the most out of them. And I also think it's incredibly important to to practice what you preach. I think that some of the leaders I've had the most respect for is because I know that behind the scenes they're they're probably doing more work than than anyone else and they're not actually ever really asking for any gratification from it and I think that to me is really important to have uh, respect for them really. Okay and and so that's in the leaders I guess there'll be a number of people out there listening to this going so what are you looking for in the actual company or the corporations that that that, that you would want to work for? What attracts you to those companies today? Yeah, I think it's, again, it's it's really hard to say. I never have 100% an idea of what I'm looking for in a company. And that's, and that's kind of purposefully. Um, I don't think at this point in my career, I want to be too single-minded and say, this is absolutely what I'm looking for. I think it's a wider kind of topic of conversation. But I think when people go to university there is this big element of you know constantly having to make choices what do you want to do um you come out of university and you think right I've got this degree I'm I'm gonna go into this job you've got a plan of what you want to go into and I I really respect people that have a very clear idea of, of what they want but I think the reality is a lot of people don't really know and I think if you're too single-minded with thinking that you want to go down one track it does actually close off a lot of opportunities for you so I think rather than looking at it as what am I looking for in companies, it's more a process of what am I not looking for. So how I've kind of approached it is more of a process of elimination and really understanding, you know, when I first came into into work, I was open to everything. You you never want to say no to anything because you want to show willingness and, and good intent. But actually, I think that the best thing for me is learning, you know, personal and professional boundaries within work and actually understanding, okay, what is a red flag for me? And actually process of elimination, you know, kind of moving away from stuff rather than seeking out things proactively. I think obviously there's the natural things of, you know, equality in the workplace, um, equal pay, that type of thing, and, and making sure that there's a good culture. But ultimately, you know, I've never really gone out with a set of ideas of what I am absolutely looking for. It's just been a process of understanding what doesn't work for me and, and being really open to you know, different opportunities. So you talked about a red flag. What, what, and, and equality, I guess a couple of questions. What would be mm. a red flag? Uh, and then also it'd be, it'd be great to get your perspective on, on D&I and how you found that in the workplace. So let's start with the red flags. What, what are some of the red flags for you? 
So the red flags for me that would, would certainly crop up now is, is definitely looking at things like overtime in the workplace. I think, again, it goes back to that element of showing willingness and good intent when you go into work, when people say there might be more that's required of you other than, you know, the normal, what's in your contract, essentially. And I actually think that that's ultimately part of any job and, and who doesn't actually want to show willingness and actually go above and beyond. But I do think that I was potentially naive in some circumstances coming into work. And especially when we also look at lockdown, you know, when we're not actually in the office, there is this nature of, well, I could actually start working at 7 a.m. and I could equally not even finish until 11 p.m. And it's really making sure that you have boundaries in place and that the company respects those boundaries. And I think if you're starting to feel like it's becoming an expectation and that it's, you know, your boundaries are not respected, then that for me was, you know, a, a big red flag. And when I, I think when you see a lot of companies phrasing it in this way, oh, there might be extra required. I think it's really important to go in with a, a clear idea of what specifically that's going to be and making sure that you set boundaries for, for yourself. And I think especially now when we're not going into the office and, you know, work and home life really bleed into one another. That's interesting. So it's less about working overtime, but it's more around actually the personal boundaries is the, the thing that I'm picking yeah. up there. You talked about equality. So mm. diversity and inclusion, DNI is on every corporate agenda that we work with today. How have you found that in the last couple of years since you've embarked on your career? I think it's a really interesting one. Um, I think it's a really interesting topic, actually, um, because we can say the same thing about something like sustainability, for instance. Everyone's putting diversity and inclusion, sustainability at the forefront. And sometimes I am apprehensive to trust to what extent companies are actually abiding by, you know, being sustainable or um, being diverse and, and inclusive. I think my fear is that sometimes it is banded around and sometimes it is more fashionable rather than actually the intent and I think that's when it comes back to the question of what are you looking for in companies it's very very hard to say I know a lot of people who are looking for jobs at the moment and if sustainability and, and diversity inclusion is there it's, it's very hard to question to what extent are they really being a sustainable mm -hmm. company mm -hmm. to what extent are they diverse and inclusive and I think that's goes back to my point of you have to see for yourself and I think you have to put yourself out there and that's what I would you know also recommend for people my age is to open yourself to opportunities and then rather work backwards and say this didn't work for me I now understand that this was not as genuine as what I'd hoped it would have been and this is now what I look for in a company because if everyone's putting it out there but we also know that how much are they actually committing mm. to these mm. agendas mm. so I think it's really about making the the choice for yourself and and just being really open minded and it it will be hard I I just I don't know maybe I'm being skeptical but I think it's hard to totally find any company that is, is completely you know, flawless maybe no, yeah I'm not it's hard to find anyone or any, any company yeah that's any, exactly uh, but I guess it's the intent and, yeah. and 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 I think a lot of companies talk about the right intent. It's how practical and uh, visible it is in the workplace. And it's, it's interesting to hear your skepticism. It's, it's sad to hear your skepticism, actually. Um, but I know things are in place in many companies to, to, to change that. 
one of the questions I ask a lot of leaders is, is what's been your biggest challenge? I, frankly, I, I think I know what your biggest challenge has been, or one of them has been about you know, lockdown. It's been really bloody difficult. Yeah, lockdown has been, it's been very interesting and it's definitely evolved over time. So I think initially, for, for most people, it was almost a novelty and no one really wants to say that because of what a, a terrible and tragic time it was. But I think for a lot of people, it was kind of a forced break, which I think people needed. And I do often wonder whether I would have burnt out slightly sooner if that lockdown hadn't kind of come into place. And that was purely because of the commute that I was doing. I was commuting into London and then to the other side of London, to Liverpool Street, um, every day there and back, which was, you know, sometimes four hours in total out of the day. And I think I would have become, you know, disillusioned with with that much sooner had the lockdown almost not come in place. But I think I really tried to just move forward with life in, in lockdown and I did ultimately move into London whilst we we're in the middle of the pandemic. And that in itself was, um, yeah, it was tough. And I think I kind of, you know, as I say, leaving university and you have a lot of confidence and you get into work and that also gives you this boost of everything that's out there for you, opportunities and, and what you're kind of going to go on to do. But actually, I kind of felt like I went back to square one at that point. I had very similar emotions um, very nostalgic towards, you know, first year at universities, feeling very homesick, feeling very out of place, you know, incredibly doubtful of, you know, decisions that I was making. I also lived, you know, by myself in a flat, which I was very proud to have done, which I funded myself. But equally, it was also lonely at times. And I think, yeah, that's taught me a lot. Of, it's taught me a lot about myself. But ultimately, yeah, I have no regrets about how um, the, the choices that I've made to kind of move forward and uh, to carry on and, and move out in the middle of lockdown because I think it's ultimately been nothing but a positive uh, for me longer term. Yeah, good. So let's talk about switching gears in terms of what process do you go through, if there is a process, for when you're at your best? That's really interesting. So I suppose when I'm at my best, it can be yeah a combination of different things. There's at my best what I can control and then there's also at my best when I feel like you know I'm around others. I think when I'm at my best you know, in terms of what I can influence. Um, it's definitely when I'm, you know, exercising. It's definitely when I'm sleeping well. It's definitely when I feel inspired, I think. And I think that does have a lot to do about, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people. So I think I'm at my best when I definitely feel understood by those around me, also feel appreciated. I think when you feel safe with people, and ultimately I think the same thing goes for you know, friendships, relationships, working relationships. I think people really feel like they can be their authentic self. They're more likely to take more chances, more risks, knowing that they're surrounded by the right group of people or the right individuals that can support them, whether that be professionally or whether that be personally as well. So I think that's probably the type of environment that I thrive in to be my best. If that's you at your best, what does high performance look like to you? I also think this is a really interesting question because I think typically when you think of high performance, we tend to think of athletes. Um, we think of, you know, big time CEOs, which I completely agree with. But I also think that high performance for me is really about people who manage their time well and people who have their priorities straight. I think high performance comes down to work and what you can achieve in the working day. But then also high performance is 
like how you how you perform on the world stage as a as a person I think I think that um it's not an attractive quality when we talk about busyness and I don't think busyness is synonymous with high performance and it's something that I've thought about quite a lot in the sense that I think there is this culture often in the workplace of work hard play hard rise and grind you've got to hustle and that's kind of become the narrative of of high performance is is busyness and being aggressive in that sense but actually it doesn't really resonate to me or to a lot of people I know of my generation I think high performance can be when you're at your best and you're achieving everything that you know you'd hope to achieve within your job and um and within what's expected of you but it's also do you have your priorities straight in in every other aspects of your life as well and that's when I think about high performers even think about I think of mothers I think of people who really have everything together I don't just think of people who are you're gonna good at their job and they work until 11 p.m that to me doesn't resonate with high performance but I think it's when you have that multifaceted nature about you um and I dare say this about about my dad (laughs) but I think you know when people have their priorities straight and you know you do work incredibly hard but you also take time for yourself I think that is an indication of high performance rather than work hard play hard and then you've got to take two months off because you're burnt out good Uh, look it's a really impressive answer there's a number of people that will be listening to this going, wow, you got your head screwed on, because that, that is an impressive answer, Grace. Professionally or personally, how have you overcome your biggest setbacks? Learning not to plan so much. <laughs> <laughs> I think I definitely from? got this from, yeah, from my father, who's always got an Excel spreadsheet for every holiday we go on. It's planned <laughs> to the on. nth degree. But um it is learning, it's learning to plan so much. I think I'm not a controlling person, but I can, I'm controlling of my environment uh, and I'm controlling of things in my life because I always saw that as, and I still do see it as a great quality to take control of what you want and yeah, to go out and make a plan for it. But I also think that this year has taught us so much about how to relinquish control because nothing went anyone's way. And I think personally and professionally, I've had to learn to, is that, it's that saying, isn't it? That it's knowing what you can control and what you can't control and granting the wisdom to understand the difference. And I think that was the biggest lesson for me in lockdown is having to let go of controlling these situations and being able to find a way to, to essentially manage that. And I think it's been a really good lesson for me because I also think that it's given a sense of power that you have no doubt I'm going to go through another time in life when it's, it's very personally distressing and it's also very difficult professionally to kind of work out and navigate that kind of situation. But I do think that it's, it's given me a sense that I will be able to overcome a lot of those moments, you know, moving forward because I've had to exercise relinquishing control of certain situations and knowing what I can influence and, and having the knowledge to know the difference. Wow. Cool. But Excel is great, isn't it? Let's just, let's reiterate, <laughs> you want to plan your holidays. Anyway, um, what rattles your cage then? Well, I, I'm sure I could come up with a few things, but you need to tell us. What rattles my cage is passive aggressiveness. Is something I've never been able to handle very well. I think I just need people to be 
honest and open. And I joke about that, but I actually do think that it, it struggle, I struggle to feel, it goes back to the whole thing of when do you feel your best? When people are honest, when they are open, you trust their intentions, you trust that they understand you and where you're coming from. And I think when people are passive aggressive towards you, I really struggle because then I feel like there's been, you know, miscommunication and injustice, things like that. They do, yeah, they, they rattle my cage for sure. Okay. Um, what does the future hold? Hopefully a lot of things. <laughs> Hopefully a lot of things. I think ultimately um, travel, I think, is going to be a big thing. It's something I've always um, loved. I would obviously like to get some more traveling under my belt. But I also think I, a lot of things, I, and I do mean that because I'm always going to be very open-minded with work and, as I say, trying lots of different things to really understand where you feel most comfortable and where you feel you thrive the most. And I think in order to do so, I'm not too afraid to reinvent myself and have to learn new things. So I definitely think a combination of, of many things. Cool. Uh, and, and a few quick fire questions to finish up with, which we've done for a number of people. What's your guilty pleasure? Really crap TV. Crap TV, just like your mother. What, one thing you'd put in room 101? Fussy people. <laughs> uh, sorry that's tickled me uh i should perhaps ask your brother and sister this what's one of your most annoying traits i think it's losing things and i can be careless with my personal possessions <laughs> okay and then stealing some of their things and then lastly what makes you smile what makes me smile is seeing people do something they really enjoy oh brilliant uh, and one more, Grace, that's just come to me, which is, you know, some a question I ask all of my other guests, and I guess it slipped my mind because of your more tender years, but what advice would you give to a, a young Grace Rose starting out again? I think be very thorough with asking questions and finding out information so that you feel you're equipped with a lot of the decisions that you'll be making. And I also think... People shouldn't be too hard on themselves and too single-minded as well. I think it's important to just take in a lot of information and be very open-minded with that information when you are making choices, whether that's in your personal life or whether that's also in, you know, coming into a career or education. And I think not being too, not trying to worry about it too much and rather just inform yourself and and use that as kind of your your ammunition rather than just worrying about something and not having the answers for it just take the information in cool love it thank you grace as you know i gave you the questions in advance but i had no idea how you were going to answer them and i i've been really blown away frankly by the insightful answers that you've given uh, and i'm frankly very proud. It's a proud dad moment. Uh, and I hope uh, for people listening, you've enjoyed a different perspective on today's Leadership Confessions. Grace, thanks. Thank you, Dad. Leadership Confessions from Clarity Leadership. Email hello at clarityleadership.co.uk and subscribe to receive every episode as it's released.